is the number one commodity in the world that you can't get back once it's gone. Time. So I will keep this brief. I'm Mutita Banmuk, a time efficiency expert and a business operations strategist who is as known as the time queen. Welcome to my Get Unstuck radio. Running a business can be very overwhelming at times, especially in the first few years when you are required to wear the hats and do other things. You started your company because you had a vision that almost every business owner has when they begin. You wanted freedom, true freedom. So you are in the right place to help you build and grow your business that support your lifestyle, not the other way around. Without further ado, let's get unstuck. But the question is still going to come down to ultimately in terms of whether you would be successful is can you run a business? Can you man? Can you hire with the support of the franchise company? But can you hire, motivate, retain, you know, challenge a team? Because in most of these businesses, it ultimately comes down to you know you've got to build a team of people. This is Get Unstuck podcast. A podcast for entrepreneurs who prioritize their life first, business second. I'm Mutita Panmuk, your host, who dedicates my life to designing and building a business that supports lifestyle. We will learn together from entrepreneurs around the world how they overcome their life challenges, their business of the code, and yet still get unstuck from the hamster wheel of burying themselves into their business. Because time is the number one commodity in the world that you cannot get back once it's gone. So let's shorten the learning curve and see how. How can we prioritize better? Let's get unstuck. Hi, get unstuck nation. So today, I have a very exciting and interesting episode. So please welcome Jeremy Burlington here to get unstuck radio today. Jeremy is a franchise consultant with your franchise is waiting where he worked with individuals to help them explore the franchise options that like they may want to invest or interest and he also specialized in those who want to immigrate to the US as well so we are also going to cover about that so without further ado please welcome Jeremy with me hi Jeremy hi Mudita thank you so much for having me on this morning I am so honored to have you on pleasure to be here so I look forward yeah. to the conversation I was like we were talking a lot but like back offline so i think we're going to have a very fun conversation today but before we start that though jeremy how you started this consulting entrepreneur journey by the way yeah i'm i made um probably a, a 180 degree sort of pivot from from my pretty much lifelong career in in the banking world so um i so i live in the u.s and in, in South Carolina now, um, but grew up in the UK, um, went to school there, got into the banking world, worked for uh, for many, many years for HSBC, the big um, UK base, but, but, you know, kind of global bank, obviously with a huge presence in, uh, in Asia. Um, got the chance to go to the US in in '97 for three years, and 25 years later, we're still, <laughs> we're still here. Um, so that that three years became, you know, we want you to stay. The bank sponsored a green card um, for myself, my wife, and my kids, and so we stayed. Um, we did actually. We lived in Hong Kong for a year in the middle of that 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 time. Um, but uh, long story short, I, I, I spent you know twenty five plus years in the banking world, working with primarily big, certainly the latter sort of two thirds of that 
Korea were with big um, multinational corporations, Coca-Cola, Nike, Procter & Gamble, people like that. Um, and kind of working with them around the world and running, ultimately running teams of people doing that. Um, and then I got, I, I, I was with HSBC and then another British bank, Standard Chartered, um, for, for four years at the, the end of my banking career. And then I got laid off, which was at, at I was just about to turn 50. Um, my our youngest child had just gone to college and I was like, Hmm, that's, I'm unemployed. What do I, what do I do? Uh, and it just, I, I just felt like it was life's too short to, you know, kind of just go through the, the motions. I, I financially, we, you know, we had done well in the banking world. Um, I, I was talking to a number of banks, but there was like nothing that was particularly exciting. And I started to explore um, kind of franchise. Or, well, let me start. I started to explore business ownership options. Um, and I was looking, we were also deciding to move from, we lived in the New York, New, York, New Jersey area. Um, we were deciding to move down to uh, South Carolina. And I sort of, yeah, I went through a process probably over a nine month period of, of looking at, do I start a business? I just felt like I didn't have any good ideas <laughs> and, and I didn't really have the confidence to, you know, kind of launch something. I looked at some coaching um, sort of ideas, but couldn't really get, you know, sort of excited about that. Um, I looked at, were there any businesses for sale in this, this market? And Charleston's not a huge, huge market. It's just under a million population um very kind of at least at the time it's changing a bit now but at the time very tourist kind of service industry orientated so you know we were talking about food obviously earlier um lots of food <laughs> lots of food businesses for sale but i you know restaurants but i couldn't get excited about that and so i i started to dive into franchising and franchise ownership because it felt like that was the middle ground if you will um of you're still absolutely starting your own business it's there's a lot of risk still people fail but you're if you pick good systems you're kind of doing it under an umbrella of um you know proven proven systems other other owners in different markets that you can you know you can consult with lean on take advice from etc um, and so yeah i ended up uh, i looked at a lot of different industries and decided to 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 go into two um, of all things in the beauty space, uh, <laughs> which you might look at me and say, that's not really a, a good fit. But, uh, you know, I think what it, what that shows is that, that it's less about the, you know, the absolute, you don't have to be an expert in the product or the service. You know, that's what the franchise is kind of bringing. You just have to be able to you know, build a team and run a team and market a business and, and follow a system. Um, and my wife and I did that in two, you know, one, one of those businesses was a, um, a women's hairstyling business where I was actually helping them, uh, grow across the Southeast. So I was recruiting, uh, franchisees for them, brought in a number of, um, franchisees and work with them to get their businesses open and coached coached them so that kind of scratched that coaching itch that i that i had um and then secondly the other business which we we, we still have um the first one we we sold um a year or so back but um the other business is a waxing business hair removal um oh. you know something that i would never ever i knew nothing about <laughs> now i know lots about it but uh but i spend i don't know probably five 10% of my time on that business now. I've got 
managers in place and and you know it, it largely runs its itself with with a little bit of tweaking and, and management um so those were so that gave me sort of business ownership experience and it was sort of interesting because obviously you know I'd worked with companies at the absolute opposite end of that spectrum, these massive multinationals. Um, I'd worked for, you know, for very big companies. It's really different when you, you know, when you're the one having to write the check for the payroll at the end of the, the week and the business isn't making money when you start out and, and that. So I think I learned, you know, we, and we made some mistakes. We absolutely made mistakes along the, the way there. Um, but I think what that gave me, I, I started, um, the, the franchise consulting business, which is really basically helping people that were in the same type of position as me, you know, deciding that they wanted to to go into um, business ownership and helping them explore that maze of, of franchise options. And so I started that um, four years ago, partnered with an existing consultant. And uh, that's really where I spend most of my time now, helping people navigate that, like what might be the right fit for them, um, be that somebody coming out of kind of corporate America um, or, you know, as you touched on, I, I spend a lot of my time now actually focused on people trying to find a business to support an E2 visa application coming to, to the U S and I love, you know, having done that myself, albeit in a different situation, um, you know, I love helping people kind of, you know, have that passion to come to the, the U S cause it's a great country and it's a great, place to do to do business let's let's go back to the business part first i i would like to know how can you know that this franchise is right for you how can we discover that yeah uh that's a that's a great question and the ultimate i mean the answer truthfully to that is you won't ultimately know until you you get into the franchise and and oh, you know no. there is that you're never gonna i you know it's sort of interesting one of the things that that Sometimes I'll work with somebody where, you know, they're just, there's a lot of fear about, you know, mm. is this right for me? Can, am I going to succeed, et cetera? Um, and, the, and, you're, and, you know, you're, you're absolutely right to, to ask those questions and to, to worry about that when you're looking at the business. But what I would say to anybody that's in that position is you're never going to get a 100% guarantee that this business is going to work for you. It can be the most successful franchise with a with a whole roster of successful franchisees but the question is still going to come down to ultimately in terms of whether you would be successful is can you run a business can you man can you hire with the support of the franchise company but can you hire motivate retain you know challenge a team because in most of these businesses it ultimately comes down to you know you've got to build a team of people and so that what I will always say to my my clients is that you you know you you should be able to get to that sort of seventy five to eighty five percent confidence level in terms of the you know feeling comfortable with the team at the franchise company uh, the franchisor speaking to a lot of existing owners in the system about you know their the support they get from the franchise company the the financial results that they have how they got customers you know what's the staffing environment like are they able to retain staff etc and get a lot of comfort from from that with a good system but then that final you know kind of let's call it the final 15% um, kind of comes down to the to the owner you know can you then take all of those tools that the the franchise or gives you 
and execute on that um, because it's not, you know, the, there's really no, there's no franchise system where it's a case of you just write the check and, and the business happens and money flows in. Um, anybody that tells you that there is that case, like I would say, just run as fast as possible in the opposite direction away from them because that's not, it's not true. You know, you've, you've got to work at that, that business. What, what I will do, so, so then how, do, so what does that mean when I, when we, when I work with somebody? Um, we spend a lot of time up front before we even look at businesses, um, really trying to sort of understand, you know, what, what are your goals? You know, what, what are your skills? What are the, what are the, what, what experiences do you have, you know, from, from corporate life, from business life that are transferable. So maybe, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, I've had no sales experience and I'm just not comfortable walking into a room and talking to people, um, but I'm really good at managing teams and process and operations. So what, what I'm going to look for there is a business that does not require the owner to be like that super salesman, but maybe it's a very, you know, staffing heavy business and, and where the building of that team is like super important. And, and so, yeah, it, it's sort of looking at those, you know, what, what are the transferable skill sets, um, experiences, goals of the individual as well. Um, you know, obviously financial position comes into it and then looking to match all of those things with, 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 with franchises that we, we work with that have, got a proven track record mm. so i think from what i hear from you is that when someone considering become a franchisee shouldn't get into a franchisee world with investor perspective but have to at least enter the franchisee world with business owner perspective because you still have to run it at the beginning right Absolutely. I mean, you are. If you so, if you think about the structure of a of, of a, if you're a franchise owner, franchisee um, would be the would be the term. You're still you're still starting your own company. It's your your company is making. You're you're basically signing a long term agreement with the franchise company to acquire the the rights. You know, let's. And I know we talked about food and restaurants and things. Let's use, let's use that as an example. Let's say it's a you know it's a burger chain um, that you're acquiring the the brand name or the rights to use that brand name in a certain geographic location. Um, but you're basically you know you're spending money to build out the the premises to you know to fit it out to you know, to, to then hire a team, it's your team, not the franchise company's team, they're your employees, you're spending the money on on marketing. The franchise, so somebody might say, well, gee, what's the, what's the point of the franchise? And what, what am I paying all those fees for? Well, they're, they're, you're buying in, you know, you're getting a brand. You're not having to create a brand from scratch. You're getting, you're getting the system um, in terms of how do they, how do they do business? So using my waxing studio as an example, I, I could never have started that business. I knew nothing about the the aesthetics world. I, I had no idea how to hire estheticians to and so the franchise company gave you a lot of support and training around that. Um, mm. And that's what you, you know, 
that's what you get initially. I'd say once you once you're up and running and the business is is hopefully you know successful, often then people start to think like, why am I still paying these royalty fees? You know, I'm, I'm still <laughs> paying to the franchise. And I, you know, what I always say on that is it's it's so again I I'll use my waxing business as an example. Um, I'd say over the last two three years they've rolled out multiple initiatives. You know, be that some systems initiatives, some you know improvements on you know, kind of how customers book appointments, different types of services, brand, you know, brand marketing collateral that, okay, I could, could I do all of those without the franchise? You know, probably, but there'd be quite a cost. And so, uh, you know, I think it's, it's always that sort of balancing act because at the end of the day, you've got two different businesses, you know, you got the franchise company that make money from, typically they're making money from the royalty that they charge you every month. Yes, you pay an upfront fee, but that's largely, you know, their cost of finding franchisees that most of that gets eaten up with those initial fees. So they, a successful franchise system is only successful if franchisees are doing well and the franchisor is making money. I mean, you, you know, you're all in, in business. Um, mm. and, and that's what we, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to ensure that we're working with, you know, with good franchise systems where there are successful franchise owners, um, and the franchise company is viewed as being very supportive of those, those, uh, franchise owners. Mm. So is there types of franchise? Like, are they? There are hundreds. Um, so, so I the, mean, not in, in terms of industry, but like how they structure the fee, right? I mean, how how they oh, into, categorize the franchise, though. I, I don't even know. Yeah, I would. So, in terms of fees, there there is it, it obviously varies by by franchise, but I would say mm. the the common sort of standard, if if you will, would be you you typically you will pay an upfront fee to the franchise to kind of buy into the system. That usually ranges for one. For one, either physical location or if it's a service business where you get a territory, which might be a number of zip codes, that initial franchise fee would usually be somewhere between, let's say, thirty-five to fifty thousand is is roughly U.S. dollars is roughly the range. On an ongoing basis, you would pay to the franchise company a royalty, which is basically a a percent, a, a typically a fixed percentage. Um, some of some of them are not percentages some of them might be a dollar a fixed dollar amount but in most cases it's a fixed percentage usually between five six or seven percent of your top line revenue um, so it's an it's a absolute cost every month um, and that's basically paid each each month and that um, you know you as a franchise owner you you know that upfront you you factor that into your assessment of the uh, of the business and you know as i as i said i i view it as i yeah i you know i have to pay that every month i i i believe i'm getting value for it i mean i'm you know there might be months when i'm like gee i wish i didn't have to pay that but but that's a function of the the business you know i wouldn't be in the business if i if i wasn't partnered with a with a franchise in that you know in that business you can consider it as a fixed cost yeah well, it's fixed. It's um, oh, absolutely. I mean, it, but it right? it's also it's it's a percentage. So the way that I look at it, 
certainly in my business, I look at the, you know, so my staffing costs that typically we try to manage that to a percentage of revenue, my cost of goods sold. So things like wax and other things, typically we're trying to manage that to like seven, eight, nine percent of, of revenue. My royalty is 6%. I know it's in, I know it's there and, you know, I have to, it, it comes out every month. So, yeah. It reminds me to, oh my gosh, I forgot he's like Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah it's, every time I hear royalty, it just reminds me to you. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Now, yeah. Of course, he's on the, he's typically on the receiving end of those rather than the paying end of. Did you mention also that you sold one of your franchises? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you also able to sell it also, right? You can exit it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So typically, so most franchise agreements are seven or 10 years in, mm-hmm. in length. And I would say in, in, you know, obviously it, it, everybody's situation varies. I mean, for us, it was sort of a bit of a lifestyle decision. My wife was running that, that business. I think some of your, your, you know, your theme of get unstuck, I think for, for her, it was, she was spending a lot of time in the business. Um, you know, it was a business where we had to be hiring continually and I think she just felt stuck. So one way of getting unstuck was actually selling the business. And so we, mm. we did. Um, but the way that works is the only, it's, it's really no different to selling. And let's say, let's say we had a hair salon that was not a franchise with, if, if we were selling that business to be like two main parties that you'd be dealing with, one would be ultimately finding a buyer. So you'd be negotiating with a buyer. The other part would be with the landlord because you have, you know, you have leased space in a, in a premises and the landlord has to approve the, you know, they're effectively going to get a new tenant because it's going to be the person buying it with a franchise. The only, the only other difference there is that you have another party, which is the franchise company has to approve the, the buyer. They will put the buyer through their sort of new franchisee training and they will, you will basically assign the franchise agreement. So, you know, we, when we sold the business, we got out of it clean and you know a new a new owner took over became the franchisee for that for that area Um, replacement let's say yeah yeah so it's it's you know i i would say when you the good thing actually yeah the interesting thing i mean so yes you've got that extra kind of approval level if you will but i would say the other the interesting thing from a dude so you think about one of the challenges of buying a a Mm. you know a small business is that is just the due diligence because mm-hmm. you know if it's just a let's go back to that example of it was just if it were just a standalone salon the benefit with the franchise is that that friend that buyer of that business was able to actually go talk to existing franchisees in other markets about you know the whole the exactly the same process that you would go through if you were becoming a new franchise owner and opening a new location so that is one of the you know one of the benefits of both being a buyer or a seller of, of a, mm. an existing, you know, open franchise location um, is that you can do that extra due diligence that you wouldn't get the chance to do if you were buying an existing, you know, kind of standalone um, like mom and pop business, let's say. And to prevent having competitions nearby as well in that case, right? Like that's how they can control the 
cash flow within the area. That's what I see. Yeah. That's yes, actually- you typically, yeah, you would, again, it depends on the type of business. If it's a physical location, so let's say a salon, the, typically the franchise agreement will have a circle around that salon. Maybe it's three miles, four miles, depends on the, the density of population. And the franchise can't put another operator into that 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 territory. If it's a service business where you get, um, let's say, you get ten zip codes in a, you know, in a market, you will be the only. Typically, uh, you will be the only operator in in those zip codes, and mm. so you're protected. There, there might be. It doesn't stop competition from other brands, you know, providing a similar service, but it. You, you wouldn't be competing with existing or other franchisees in your in your system mm. yeah. yeah that yeah that's good because when you when you embrace the same brand at the same time it's going up at the same time so yeah. that's yeah I well know. the other thing on the other thing on that is I think one so coming back to the mr wonderful and the royalties and stuff <laughs> which which a lot of people get hung up on so one thing that one thing I will always say to people, and I've definitely seen this. I mean, we were we were open during COVID, and you know, this was like a huge value that you can't put a price on. One of the one of the benefits of being in a franchise system is that you've got lots of other owners. If it's a, and if it's a good system, those owners communicate, and and uh, you know, it's almost like a you know, kind of a, a an informal like support network, and. I, we definitely saw this during COVID. You know, the ability to to call up somebody where you're not competing because they're in a they're doing exactly the same business but in a different city, a different market. And over time, you become you know I become I become friends with lots of people in the systems that I'm in. But to be able to call somebody up and just say, hey, can we just talk about like what are you doing about the government support program? What are you doing about you know sanitation service? You know particularly during COVID when we were all dealing with stuff that we'd never dealt with. You just can't put a price on that. I mean, that is just like so valuable. And if you were a mom and pop business, it's like calling a, lo- a local salon down the road. Maybe they'll help you, maybe not. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, I think that ability to almost like a mastermind kind of group, if you will, of, of, um, you know, people in the same, the same business. I mean, that's just incredibly helpful, I think. And you get that, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you're not paying a fee for that. I mean, but you kind of are because you're getting it, you know, it's part of, it's part of the role. I mean, I view that as like part of the benefit of the being in the franchise. I mean, I, you know, having Included. that. Yeah. And it does, and it's it's interesting because in certainly in the systems I'm in, there are a number of people that just don't seem to take advantage of that. And I'm always like looking at it, going like, huh? Why wouldn't you? You know, it's 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 sort of one of the biggest benefits of of being in a system. Mm. Talking about benefit, so you mentioned about moving the country like those who like like me for example i'm overseas right and i want to immigrate to the us for example um i don't know uh too complicated but anyway we're gonna talk about that like e2 visa like i have like b1 b2 visa on myself already so i can enter and then in case i'm interested so how can like investing in a franchise can help me then yeah. Yeah. So, so the E, 
the E2 visa uh, is is probably one of the certainly for there are a number of different business related visas that that you can invest through. I would say E2 is the the lowest investment requirement. Uh, and it's sort of interesting in the rules, it doesn't actually specify a minimum, but it basically says it needs to be a substantial investment, which is not particularly helpful. <laughs> that the way that we interpret it, and I think most people involved with E2s interpret it, is that you should typically be investing a minimum of a hundred thousand US dollars. I've we've certainly seen approvals slightly below that, but I think the risk of non-approval goes up if it's you know if it's below that so so my starting point is usually let's let's look at you know 100 125 150,000 if somebody's able to you know to invest that that amount um, then what it the other key element of the e2 is that the money has to be at has to have been invested before you apply uh, or at least a substantial portion has to have been invested um, so if we stick to that let's say the let's say 125,000 um, if that's the the amount that you're investing to to start the business or to buy so you can you can you can certainly apply for an e2 if you purchase an existing you know operating business but that's often quite difficult to do because if I'm a seller of a business I don't really want to sell it to somebody that I'm not sure that they're actually going to come and get that. Yeah, you know, because right. there's, just a lot of, there's a lot of the risk around E2. And so, uh, I mean, certainly people do buy existing businesses and get, get E2s. I mean, that, that, that certainly happens. But I, I think in a lot of cases, it's hard to get a good business. You, maybe you're getting a business that the, the seller couldn't find anybody else to buy. And what? Because if you think what? about it, if I'm if, so, if I'm selling my business, mm. if I get somebody inquiring that says, "I'd love to buy your business, but I'm applying for an E2, so I'd like to have um, kind of an escrow arrangement agreed where I'll pay the money into you know into this sort of holding account, mm -hmm. and I'll." I'll close on the purchase if I get my E2 approved. Oh, but by the way, that's going to take three to four to five to six months, depending on the, the country that I'm applying it. If I'm the seller, why would I sell to you? Unless I can't find anybody else to buy it, which to me is a big red flag, because is there something wrong with the business? Am I, am I selling it for too high a price that nobody will pay that? Um, so I, you know, I always caution on that buying an existing business for, for an E2. What your other two options are, you either start something yourself, so, you know, your own business, um, you know, make that initial investment, um, or you can go the franchise route where um, typically what, I, what I, I look at are businesses that don't need a physical store because that it's hard. I mean, certainly from an investment amount, those tend to be a lot higher investment ranges. So we're typically looking at service businesses where the initial investment would be the franchise fee, uh, maybe prepaying marketing fees that the franchise company will invest for you when the business opens, um, maybe buying some equipment um, to get the investment amount up to that 
that, that minimum requirement. And typically the franchise companies that we work with, not all franchises want to do E2s because they, you know, it can just be more challenging. But those that will work with E2s will typically agree to a, a kind of a refund clause for the franchise fee if you do not get approved for the E2. They will they will refund some, often not all, but some of the the franchise fee. It depends how much they've done. If you've started training with them, which we often, you know, will advise that it makes sense to start that training because then you're you're much better prepared when you go to the embassy for your for your E2 interview to be able to speak about the business and you know and really understand the business. But yeah, I mean that's in a nutshell that sort of approach of of you know franchise certainly gives a a good amount of flexibility for the uh, for the applicant. And we would then go through that prior when when somebody comes to me, we'll put them through that same process that we talked about earlier. What are your skills? What are you what's your investment budget? Um where do you want to be? Which market are you looking at? Um, what's available? Let's let's find a business that that meets your, you know, your investment range and 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 your skill set. Would it be possible to become a partner with already existing franchisee? That's a good question. Um, yes, if if you're so with E two the um, you have to be at a minimum of a fifty percent owner in the business so it could be a 50 50 like a 50 share excuse me you could be a 50 50 partnership but you would have so let's let's just think about that if um if it was somebody that had an existing you know location or territory for a business could they sell you a 50 percent stake in their business yes and you could show you you know you would be able to show that as your your investment into you know into a business but you would have to so two important things that you would have to have the 50 percent, and you would also have to be able to show that your intent you were moving to the u.s to to manage that that business doesn't mean to say you're going to be working in the business let's let's use your example of of, uh, of, of restaurant but you would have to be able to demonstrate that you were moving to you know, to to oversee and direct that that business. That that is the other. So it's not a. If it was a passive investment, that mm. would that would likely not get approved. You would have to show that you were um, you were going to be actively directing the the business. If it's going to be passive investment, it has to be another route. Then yes, yeah. Ah. Yeah, I have seen the the time. Oh, it's been many years. The time that I apply for the US visa, it's been a while. But people who got denied is literally because they apply for the wrong visa or they give yeah. the the wrong reason. That's it. Yeah. It's simple as that. And I would say I, you know, it 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 never ceases to amaze me how often people will, you know, will go down the track of looking at options, spending, you know, maybe even investing, but not using an, a good immigration attorney. And I'm, I want to just caveat what I'm saying is I am not an immigration attorney. And so um, I, you know, I, I won't, in fact, I won't work with anybody um, on my sort of like search for, you know, the right business for them as an E2 candidate, if they are not using an immigration attorney, because that, 
it's you're you're absolutely right. It is so important um, to you know to meet all the requirements. I mean, they you can be turned down just because you you know you you skipped something that was maybe not not a big issue to you, but it might be to the to the console. Um, yeah, and you already wait so. for like six months or a year. And just yeah. one reason, yeah. Well, and, and potentially this. you've spent, you know, you've spent a lot of money. I mean, whether it's actually physically investing in a business. Um, Financially. Yeah. Mm. So, mm. so for those who are already interested, okay, um, whether they're already in a board and working for like corporate overseas and thinking to like move to the state or they're already in the state working in a corporate and okay i'm deciding whether i'm gonna have my own business or i'm gonna go to franchise route what do they have to prepare what do they have to prepare um you mean in terms of making that decision as to whether to move forward yeah. or or to to research it or you know i would i think there's two elements there i think one is that that element of am i going to make that that move from you know, from corporate or from, you know, overseas to the US. So that's a, you know, I think that's the starting point. Are you, are you committed to, to doing that? Um, I think then, and, and again, it doesn't mean to say you will do it. It's you're then going to investigate what's the best way to, to do it. So I think if you've made that, and I think back to what I went through, you know, I, I'd sort of made the decision that I really seriously want to look at finding businesses. So, uh, and then I sort of looked at, you know, should I start my own business? Do I have any good ideas? <laughs> Am I confident enough to to do that, or do I go the the franchise route? And I would say for anybody that's you know kind of in that, if they're at that stage of like, okay, I've I want to start a business or I want a business to support a visa application, I think then you've got to think through, do I have you know, do I have the skill set and the background and the experience to start my own business? And I think if you're if you're coming to the U.S., you know, add into that equation. I'm moving to a new country. I'm probably not going to have a network of people that I know. You know, new culture, different culture. Can I start a? You know, do I have a business idea that will work, um, or am I better to take somebody else's idea and? You know, and be part of that that franchise kind of structure. Um, there are pros and cons. I think what I what I've seen, I think generally, is that if if somebody has has been an entre entrepreneur either in their corporate life or in you know in their in their home country, I think if they are very entrepreneurial, franchising often does not make sense for them because they would feel constrained by the system and paying that royalty and other things but if they haven't had that experience you know if they've been part of a corporate world um i think it's very hard to to start your own business um and so i think that's where franchising kind of comes in as the the halfway house if you will you know you're still absolutely starting your own business but you're not having to come up with the you know the 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 initial idea the branding um you've the franchisor has made all those mistakes and like redone it and changed it and tweaked it to get it to that point where it's it's successful if you will 
Mm. So, Jeremy, in case the listener wants to have some advice from you, where can they follow you or reach out to you then? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and, and I would say if anybody's, you know, in that phase of like, does, does this make sense for me? Um, I'm, I always am happy to do an initial consultation and, and we can talk through, you know, your specific situation, what, what might make sense for you? Um, does it make sense for us to work together? And to reach me two two ways, either um, our website, which I'm I'm sure Mutiti will put on the um, the show notes, but uh, that's www.yourfranchiseiswaiting.com, all one all one word. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I think I'm the only Jeremy Bollington out, out there. So that's one of the good things about having a uh, a non-common name so look me up on linkedin and then just just message me and i'll i'll absolutely respond on on that i will make sure that the links will be in description below as well as in the show notes so don't worry about that <laughs> ah, perfect so, and i think the last yeah. the last thing i would say just on on that the way the way my business model works in in the franchise consulting world is a little bit like as we would say here in the the us buyer's agent in in real estate in that um if if i work with somebody um i don't charge you a a fee uh, i get paid basically a referral fee from mm -hmm. franchise companies we have a network of of over 500 franchise companies that we we, we work with. Um, and if I introduce somebody to uh, one of those companies and they go through the, the what would be a very detailed due diligence process and, and ultimately proceed, then I get a referral fee from the franchise company. So uh, the way that I sort of police that in my business is, you know, we we talk up front about, your goals and then decide, does it make sense for us to, to work together? Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get that, that in there. Yeah. So in case anyone have already considering having a franchise and especially in the US, so you know who to reach out now. So Jeremy, thank you so much for sharing this helpful information to get on Nation today. Thank you. My, my, my pleasure. I'm so happy to be on your, on your show. Thank you. I hope this episode inspires you to get unstuck wherever you are in your journey so that you can have your business that support your lifestyle. Get a show note at helpyougetunstuck.com today. Start implementing what you have learned. The results of your consistent effort and improvement are worth it because you deserve the freedom to enjoy your life. Speak to you next time and don't forget to get unstuck.